that in the Reading Corner today, I'm joined by Emily Gravett. We've talked to Emily before, but in relation to her illustration of Locked Out Lily. And today we're going to mainly be talking about picture books. Before we start, Emily, I know that we've chatted on a number of occasions, but I've never really delved into your past. And I was really interested to read that both of your parents were very artistic. I think your mum was a teacher and your dad was a printmaker. Right, yeah. So tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up with two very creative parents and whether you think that rubbed off on you. Oh, it definitely rubbed off on me. I think they valued like artiness above academic subjects. So they never really sort of got upset with me if I didn't do well at school. And also, I because my dad was a printmaker, but his day job, he was the technician in the printmaking department at Brighton Polytechnic. And so I had access to the printmaking room at the college as a child. So we could do stuff like going and print Christmas cards and and he'd let me use the big guillotine that slices up the zinc for the etching plates and all that kind of I can't remember how to do any of it now, but it, it was lots of art materials around and when we were kids we would draw on the back of his old prints and my mum when I was a bit older she she was an art teacher my arty ability comes from her more than my dad's because my dad's very abstract and it's all about shape and colour whereas my mum is all about character so when she was 70, I got her a stone carving course for her birthday. And she's been, she's 84 now. She's been stone carving ever since. And she makes these amazing animals and she, she puts a lot of character into things. And I always think that actually that's where I get my illustration style from is the fact that she's always drawing little animals, doing, doing things and all that kind of stuff. That's so interesting because it's the characterfulness of your books that literally leaps off the page. You were very fortunate in going to a school that was supportive of you as well. I was also interested in the books that have been formative for you. And you you mentioned John Vernon Lord, The Giant's Jam Sandwich. Yes. And also Stick of the Dump and the illustration by Ardizoni. Yeah. Both of those artists are really well known for their drawing. And they belong to an era where drawing was so important how important is that to you now as an illustrator oh it's really important I think drawing is it's a kind of language and it's a character and everybody's is so individual that when people don't draw it's fine because everybody can illustrate whichever way whatever way they like but when things aren't drawn I always find it slightly disappointing because you're not really seeing that character come out about the illustrator so much I love drawing and I like the way it feels too. You can sort of see how somebody felt when they drew a picture and I can't see that in, in any other format. I wanted to read you a quotation actually from John Vernon Lloyd because when I read this, I thought of you. So I'd love to know what you think. The whiteness of the paper already exists before you proceed to draw. It has established itself as a fundamental entity a ground to tread on. What marks you make on the paper are as important as the marks you don't make, or is the opposite the case? The editing and selection of gap making is fundamental to drawing. Nothingness, therefore, allows something else to exist. What do you make of that? 
He's completely right, isn't he? I mean, it's always about the white spaces. So it's about the, mm. the gap in between. And that's not just true of the actual image. That's true of picture books, isn't it? What we're working with is gaps. We're working with children's imaginations and knowledge. It's not really about what we've done. It's about what we've left out or what the child is going to make of what they see put together in that space in their head. You are somebody that allows pictures to breathe. And I actually think when Wolves came out, it felt very different at that time. And I think it was to do with the amount of white space that you had in the book. It did, didn't it? And it it, it sort of stood out, didn't it, when you saw it in a bookshop? And mm. I, I don't know why either, really, because it, you, you now we've seen so many other picture books come out. You just think, well, it's not that different, really. Because at the time, I didn't think it would be published anyway. So it wasn't a consideration that it might look different because it was a uni project. So I didn't worry about it. That was more accidental than anything else. It's just how I wanted it to be and what I had the time constraints to do. Always the best thing not to be accident, really, not yeah. to be led by what we think um, is needed. Yeah. But coming to cats, I think there's a nice link to that because again, it's a it's a book that has, I think, it is a plain background and everything yeah. is placed onto that background. But we're not distracted by yeah. landscape and other things. It's a concept book, but yeah. not one concept. You've managed to get. Two concepts in there. We've got counting and we've got colour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was just after Eric Carl died. And I was asked for a quote about what had been special about him. And I was just thinking it was just the joyful simplicity of his books. And I was trying to come up with, I'm always trying to come up with an idea for a book. It's really impossible. And I just thought, I just want to make something that's simple and joyful and doesn't have to have too many underlying complications or messages or anything else in it. I just want to make something that is fun to read, fun to fun to draw. Mm. So um, that's, that's why I came up with the concept of it. And yet it's not like um, one of the concept books where there's no story to it. It's, in, it's incredibly engaging. So we have a mother cat and nine kittens. When you were drawing nine kittens... Did they have separate kittenalities or personalities? In this case, not overly. They were more of a kind of mass, and it's just the colours really that differentiated them. I tell you, whilst I'd come up with the idea, Polly Dunbar's cat had kittens, and she was sending me photographs of them. <laughs> well, one of them is very much like hers. So it was quite good for me to be able to see the, the way they moved and stuff. One of them always gets a bit sort of left behind, but there's not one that's particularly much shyer than the others. They're all quite rambunctious, which is the thing that's very nice about kittens, really, isn't it? They're a very pleasing shape and they come in lots of different colours. They're just fun. And in fact, this strangely doesn't go with my book dogs because I've done one that does go with this that's coming next, which is 10 dogs. And interesting that you mentioned Polly there, another illustrator who's so good at the white space. She's really good at it, yeah. I also want to talk to you about another relatively new book, which is Too Much Stuff. And I suppose one of the things that I really love about your storytelling, this could be a book that we think has a a strong moral to it, but somehow that isn't how it comes across. 
basically we have two magpies that steal things. Tell us about it from your point of view. It's almost a follow on book from I did a book called Tidy that was about badger that was a bit over tidy in the woods. And I wanted to go back to the woods because I I think it's my age, but I really like drawing trees now. So I wanted to go back to the woods and I came up with these magpies. And of course, magpies steal things. And I just thought it would be funny if they just stole a lot of stuff. And as I was going through, I realised they were a bit like, I don't steal a lot of stuff, by the way. I don't do that. (laughs) But I do get, I do seem to have a lot of stuff. And I thought, actually, this is becoming about something else, really. I don't like books that stuff a model down your throat. I find Mm -hmm. it painful, pedantic. And so I'm glad that you say that it doesn't come across too much like that, which is is always the danger when you when you find that actually you thought you weren't doing a book with a moral and then you find you've got one anyway. Well, actually, you know, the magpies, are they are taking other people's stuff, but they're also taking stuff that's been thrown away, like yeah. old teddy bears and things and yeah, making use of them. They don't have morals, they're magpies. Exactly. And that's what magpies are supposed to do. Let's talk about the end papers. There is something different going on with the one at the end and the one at the beginning. This sort of takes us back a little bit to Little Mouse's Big Book of Fears and the found materials that you have in that book. When did it strike you that this was going to be a great thing to have for the end paper? Did it come right at the end? No, it came, I think it must have come fairly near the beginning because I immediately knew that they had to have some idea for why they wanted that stuff I mean yeah they steal stuff but I the stuff that they do steal is quite ridiculous and I thought it would be quite nice to have a hint of what was going to happen and I like end papers that help add to the story or a bit silly in some way and I also really like designing packaging and magazines and you know all those things that could be real but they're not which makes them more fun so this has got an aged feel yeah i'm looking at that card but actually no, that car is my car is it <laughs> I mean, like, oh, it's, it's got a very flash modern car I, I, i've got rid of that car now but that car was really special because i've had four identical cars uh-huh. all from 1984 the style of the advert looks up earlier yeah i think because actually um, when you start looking at magazine adverts that was the last sort of era that um, adverts were drawn. Of course. So it, it needs to look slightly different to the rest of the book, but at the same time, I don't want something that's as jarring as having photographs. Yeah. And everything that's in these adverts, people will spot in the things that the magpies collect. So we've got what looks like this wonderful silver cross pram, you know, the very old style, although they're back in, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, very fashionable. <laughs> I don't know how anyone's got a hallway big enough to put one in, but... And the well, I certainly don't, that's for sure. <laughs> and these that? kind of old style teddy bears with the arms that move. But when we come to the end paper at the back, I love the jokes there because it's full of useless adverts, basically, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's basically it's it's well, as are the front ones, really. You know, all this stuff is is not that great. And then, then at the back you just see that actually it was all rubbish anyway, really. You've got your chocolate teapot and your and your roller skates with your square wheels on. And, but it's very fun thinking up those adverts. I can imagine. I'm sure you had great fun uh, playing with that. And the fish that uh, needs armbands to swim and the duck that needs the umbrella. And then just at the end, a little bit about 
recycle, reuse the four hours. <laughs> I agree with it though. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about this uh, fascination with trees. And your, your trees are very stylized, but there are a range of trees there. So can I spot an oak tree? Are you looking at the basic characteristics and representing them or just showing a range of trees? Yeah, I'm not showing specific trees, um, mainly because I'm actually not very good at telling. I'm getting better at telling the trees from each other, but I think it's more the overall feel of the wood and the colours and the way that things change throughout the seasons. And that, you know, that feeling when you walk under a big canopy of leaves in spring and they're acid green and the light shines through them and I don't know whether I've ca- I don't think I've captured that at all but that's what I was trying to do and the same in tidy in autumn when everything starts to just change color and it's it's more of a feel I'm trying to capture a feeling basically of of being in a wood the other thing that I really like um again maybe it reminds me of my childhood reading I love your insects your ladybirds your beetles and there's something about these really tiny things Uh, that you've given life to in these stories. Are you fascinated by insects? Yeah, I know nothing about them. I I keep trying to come up with with an idea for a a book just with them as the characters, and I haven't haven't found one that really zings yet, but I hope I will because they are – they're really nice to draw and they and they're in dual colours and so they're really attractive. I mean, the the hardest thing about them is to make them – appealing in the in a kind of like <laughs> I think that publishers generally like cute cute characters well do you know I remember Professor Horacek doing a book about the fly yeah and everybody saying that a fly couldn't make a good story but uh I liked it although I noticed that's one of his that's not in print whereas all the bears and you know they're still in print yeah. So I've got this page here, which is everything coming tumbling down out of the nest uh, because eventually they put a huge car on top of everything else that they've collected, the bicycles, the mop and the bucket, uh, the cuckoo clocks. But the car proves to be a little bit too much and everything comes tumbling down. (laughs) What a a fantastic uh, dynamic illustration this is. I'd just like to know a little bit about how all of this gets put together. Uh, well, it's generally a bit like a collage, so quite separately. So I tend to draw all of the items individually or in small groups and then um, scan them in and and use Photoshop like a collage, really, collage them all together. Um, and I had I had lots of roughs worked out about pretty much where everything was going to go, but then it always gets a little bit more complicated when you actually get to the to the finished piece, of course, which is mm-hmm. annoying. And I stupidly chose lots of things that are really difficult to draw at different angles of falling upside down. Do you ever draw with models or is it all out of your head? I did I did buy a, um, a toy car, Morris Minor, so that I could rotate it because I just couldn't get the angles right because it's quite a... You know, they're quite a complex car anyway, that style of car. You know, it's got a lot of curves in. And and I was trying to turn it in my head through all the angles with photographs of different sides of the car because I couldn't find a real one. And then in the end, I just bought a little model. I love the fact that you had to show us the engine as well. Great. I don't know whether that would be a fully functioning engine if you're a mechanic. I think there would be some, <laughs> some things wrong with it, possibly. It's got a big battery, though. <laughs> 
So one of the things on this page is that not only is it very dynamic because of the falling objects, but we've obviously got that mirrored in the text placement as well, which is all at odd angles. Yeah. I know designers obviously have a role to play in this, but was this part of your idea? Yeah, I'd always intended the text to do this. And we tried it out another way as well, because it's fine to play with text, but not, not for the sake of it. We were a bit like worried that it wouldn't wouldn't work, but actually it, it, it sort of does, I think, on this page. So got away with that one, which is nice. Talking about your picture books and, you, you know, the history of them, you said the further back in time they are, the more I like them. When they're quite close still, you're caught up in the emotion of them and the, and you remember all the things that you were trying to do with it that you didn't quite achieve, the stuff that you didn't get in there or the drawing that is not that great and you you really notice all that stuff and the further away that gets from you kind of like wolves I really like it it's really badly drawn but now I'm that far away from it but I really think the concept is great and I'm quite surprised it's mine really because I appreciate it now I didn't used to like meerkat male at all and and I've, I've come around to that one now as well so that's that's good and that but that was years ago <laughs> for me they're they're quite emotional the books and they're always caught up in how I was feeling when I did it, whether whether it was in whether I was in a good place, whether I was enjoying it, how difficult it was to think of, or whether once I got going it went smooth. All of these things get caught up in it, but once they're back into history, that worked better for me. So I tend to like them more as time goes on. I just want to press you on something that you've said about it was badly drawn. When I look at it, I don't think that. That's probably a bad choice of words. I think probably is not how I draw it anymore but in the same way it wouldn't have looked it would have been a worse book if I'd done it now if somebody said I'm giving you the text you can play with it if you want but you have to redraw it it would be a worse book it would be slicker because I've drawn every day pretty much for the last 17 years I'm more confident with my drawing now I'm also a lot better at using Photoshop than I was when I did Wolves. And that sort of shows through, you know, there's a kind of grubbiness to Wolves, which I, I wouldn't have now. And, you know, you and I think as an illustrator, you beat yourself up constantly anyway, constantly doubting your own abilities and where you're going with things and where you've been, which is another reason why you quite like the things that were in the past. A while ago, when we talked, you were at that point exclusively a picture book maker and yeah. really illustrating your own text. But since then, you've gone on to illustrate books for AF Harold, Nick Lake and yeah. J.K. Rowling. I wondered whether that had brought anything new and whether you've learned anything from that experience that feeds back into the picture books or are they completely separate? It's probably a bit of both. They are quite separate. I think in a way, doing somebody else's book feels like a bit of a pressure off time. I'm normally doing somebody else's book and one of my own at the same time, and I'll do a few days of each during a week. But it feels like the other people's books, there's less pressure because I don't have to write it. And there's more pressure in that other people have more of a say in it somehow. They're all been lovely, every author I've worked with and every editor I've worked with, but you you sort of feel like you're trying to please somebody else. So that's that's different. But being able to just use black and white, that's absolutely fantastic. You don't have to make so many decisions. 
I'm not like I'm not deciding this because it's in black and white. I know it's in black and white. The only decision I'm making is what material I'm going to use. Am I going to use ink? I've just done another Nick Blake book and I used wax crayon for the whole thing. Really stupid decision, but I enjoyed <laughs> it. But they're really unsubtle wax crayons. So it's like, oh, I'm trying to get any kind of detail in in with a wax crayon was. So the the obvious question I have to ask is why. Why, the wax so why did you make that decision? It's got a, it's got like a witch in it and it's got a black cat. And I kept drawing them with pencils and trying with ink washes. And they just, they were too precise somehow. They looked too pinned down and I didn't want them to be pinned down. I was oh. trying to think about it in a slightly different way. I think, you know, like when you're doing older fiction, all the words are there and you're adding the illustrations. And trying to find that gap is more difficult. You know, when you've got a picture book, you can leave these big gaps. But when when it's an older fiction, I just feel like I'm sometimes just reproducing what's on the written page, and I don't like that. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to add something, and I was trying to add sort of too much, and I thought maybe it'd be better if you just paired it back the other way and add less and make the drawings really ethereal and not quite as pinned down. So with, using a wax crayon, I don't have the control anyway. So it's frustrating because I don't have the control, but that's what what I was trying to achieve in the first place. I find that really fascinating. Essentially, you're going after a mood or a feeling or an apprehension of some kind. Exactly, exactly. That's what you're trying. That's what I'm trying to do with older fiction, and often failing. So it's it's a challenge, which is exciting. It's interesting, you know, Chris Wormel, who's obviously a fantastic picture book creator like yourself, has gone on to illustrate his dark materials and he's so passionate about printmaking and art that comes through your hand rather than on the screen and the photoshopping and everything but he had to change his practice because of the speed with which he had to work on this huge book and so it it prompted him into trying new things that have now become I suppose part of his repertoire and what he can draw on and I wonder with a project like the Quidditch book did you have to approach it differently yeah oh yeah I had a year and basically that year I was also doing I was doing a black and white book or maybe it's the Nick Lake book as well and I was doing a picture book so I just worked every every day I didn't have a day off and the the beginning they were saying I'll oh, send us roughs and then I just thought no I'm, I, I can't I can't work like that it's too stressful so I would just get up every morning and I would think right I'm going to do chapter I'm in chapter seven and I would open the page read ahead go well oh, I could draw that <laughs> post it note in and then just do the thing <laughs> that day which is fantastic or think oh I need to buy some uh, I don't know, some cloth patches or I need to buy some old vintage badges or I need to get some old magazines or whatever and then scour eBay, get them all sent. And then the next week I go, right, okay, I'm doing a magazine article on blah, blah, blah or whatever. So I'll be scanning stuff in. So that was that was completely different because nothing was really planned apart from the chapter headers, which gave it more cohesive look. And so I, I had to learn the new new techniques every day. So it was it didn't get boring at all because I had like, it was like a mini project every day, but they were all connected together. So you've done novels and a book that uh, doesn't have a narrative in it, uh, the Quidditch book and your own picture books. 
Is there any other format that you've not worked in that you would like to work in? I don't know. I don't know. This is the thing. I'm very unimaginative when it comes to thinking what I would like to do. Hence the fact that it takes me so long to come up with every new idea that I just don't have this like big list like some people do, which I'm very jealous of them. So it generally, I mean, like the, the Quidditch one, I really ummed and ahed about doing it because I thought maybe this isn't my, it's a book about sport for a start. But I think sometimes having something presented to you, which on one level is not that interesting to you, gives you this opportunity. We've got uh, 10 dogs to look forward to. We've obviously got the uh, illustration of the new Nick Lake book uh, to look forward to. So thanks so much for joining me in the reading corner today, Emily. Oh, thank you. It's been really nice. I've really enjoyed it. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. This episode is generously sponsored by Macmillan Children's Books. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. If you would like to find out about other events and courses, visit justimagine.co.uk. Join us again in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.